Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. I want to make you all aware of tonight is the night, okay? We have a global worship night tonight at 5.30, okay? In this room, Edmond Campus, it's here in this room uh, at the Oklahoma City Campus. Uh, so come, if you've never been to one of these, you have got to come to one of these. I know it's Sunday night and no football's on. You can like have the game on in your phone. You have one hand worshiping. And the Cowboys are gonna lose anyways, okay? I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm serious. I'm a hardcore Cowboys fan. Well, we are playing the Bengals, so there's a shot. I'm just saying, all right, come and worship the Lord, all right? Don't worship the Cowboys. I'm just kidding. Um, so, no, seriously, it's going to be a great night. If the, the thing that you sensed, if, if here at the Oklahoma City campus, and I'm sure it's true at the Edmond campus, today at the end of worship, I was like, oof, I don't want it to end. And what I want you to know is it wasn't the stop button, it was the pause button. So come back tonight at 5.30 and we're just gonna pick up where we left off and push play, all right? So be here tonight at 5.30. If you've never been to one of our worship nights, you have to. We have a plan, but we just let the Holy Spirit have his way and whatever happens. Another really exciting thing that's happening tonight, last November, we kind of launched off into a, a prophetic season as a church. We had our very first presbytery, which was our first prophetic kind of service where we had presbyters come in and give prophetic words. Since that time, my dad, Dr. John Sr., has been training. We've been identifying people in our church who carry a gift, a God-given gift, a prophetic gift. And my dad has been doing trainings month after month and shaping and honing these people and this group of, of, of people in, we, in our church that we believe have a prophetic anointing and a prophetic gift. So tonight at 5.30, we're kind of launching or soft launching our prophetic ministry. And this is really exciting. So if you are in a season of life where you're just like, you know what, I've prayed, I've waited, I just need a word from the Lord. Come tonight and our prophetic team during the worship service is gonna be on both sides of the screen, under the screen, on both sides of the stage. And you can come down and they'll pray with you and they may have a prophetic word for you. They, they may have a word from the Lord from you. And if this is new to you, I encourage you to go and study the scriptures. This is very clear. In, in Corinthians, Paul talks very specifically about the gifts of the spirit and prophecy is one of those, all right? So prophecy, this isn't my sermon, but I'll get through this. Prophecy is not meant to belittle you or to call out something. It's to edify you, to encourage you, to lift you up. So if you're terrified of a prophet going, I saw what you did last Thursday night and the Lord says, no, it's not, that's, not, that's not prophetic ministry, okay? That's condemnation. The Holy Spirit is not gonna operate that way and it'll be edification. He will, so, so come tonight, it's gonna be really, really awesome because something that convicted me a couple years ago, I was reading the book of Ephesians and it says that Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone of the church with the foundation being the apostles and the prophets, all right? And I was deeply convicted a couple of years ago to start this prophetic ministry in our church because we are, we are grounded as, with Christ as our cornerstone. I believe confidently in that. I carry more of an apostolic gift, an overseer. The apostle Paul was an apostle, 
okay? An apostolic gift is an overseer. That's why I can run a university and a church because it's an apostolic gift. But one thing that we lack, we have, we have some in our staff, a few, it's great ones, but one thing that we've never really deeply stepped into as a church is, is in cultivating an atmosphere of prophetic ministry in our church. And so I'm excited about this because I think it's, it's part of what the church is called to do. The foundation is on the apostle and the prophet. So we are activating a prophetic ministry in our church and we're gonna make mistakes, okay? No one's perfect, but we're gonna lean into this and I'm excited that that launches tonight, okay? So will you come tonight? Are you excited about it? Yeah. All right, repeat after me, I'll be there tonight. Don't you lie. That's a sin, lying. And so is manipulation, which I just did. So, so. but we would, we would love to have you come tonight. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 13. So we've been in this season called Uncommon Kingdom. If you've missed this season, you need to go back and watch these weeks. We've talked about what is truth um, with a, a, a fluidity of, of our culture and everything and truth is whatever you want it to be. Week one, we established that there is truth. There is absolute truth that cannot be changed. We talked about a healthy fear of the Lord for two weeks. And, and when I fear the Lord, when I have a healthy fear of the Lord, the fear and the cares of this world drift away. And really what we've been talking about is two kingdoms. There's an earthly kingdom and a heavenly kingdom. And how do we live in this world, but not be of this world? And the, the world wants to make everything commonplace. Everything's common, but we're called as believers to live an uncommon life because we're from an uncommon kingdom. And so we're kind of talking about practical things. What does it mean to be a Christian? So what I wanna talk about today is when we live in the world, how do we differentiate those that are in the world and those that are in God's kingdom? Because on a, on a day-to-day basis, it can be difficult to differentiate those things. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. It says this, this is, this is Jesus. And he says, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom is of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So what is a tear? A tear is basically a weed. It's kind of a rye grass, but it's a weed. And it produces a seed that is actually poisonous. It has, has, has poisonous tendencies to it. But the interesting thing about the tear versus the wheat is when they first sprout from the ground, they look identical. They look exactly the same. So if you're a farmer and you planted wheat, as soon as it started coming up, there could be tear, there could be tears or weeds or poisonous seeds in the same crop and you wouldn't know it because to the naked eye, they look exactly the same. This is giving us a picture of what it looks like to live in a common world amongst common people and amongst the kingdom of this world, but we're, we're uncommon. So how do we, and when everything sprouts up, sometimes it looks the same. And it, it's not until the fruit is produced that you can say, oh, wait a minute, that's, that's a weed. That's a weed. The interesting thing about tares and wheat is that the same climate, I want you to think about this in, in context of our culture, right? The same climate that ripens the wheat ripens the tares. The same soil, the same place, the same thing. Both of them are growing, okay? Both of them are coming up. So a common kingdom has tried to produce tares and sowed them amongst the wheat. 
And so what we have to learn as believers is if we're in the heavenly kingdom and the enemy is trying his best to take the common things of this world and sow them and intertwine them into the kingdom of, this, this, of, of heaven, how do we differentiate the two? And by the way, this is the, the devil is the deceiver. The Bible describes him as the deceiver. So he wants to make things of this world appear as though they are things of the kingdom of God. So, so how do we differentiate the two of these things? So I, I wanna, I want, this is what we're gonna talk about today. How do, we, how do we differentiate these things? Let's flip over to Luke, the passage in Luke. Luke chapter six, verse 43. It says this, it says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The same kind of version of the story in Matthew's gospel. Uh, I don't think it's on the notes, but I want to share it with you because it, it kind of gives more context even, even so in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Jesus says this way, he says, beware of false prophets who disguise themselves, who are disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. He's saying, be weary of the tares that are sowed in your own crop that at first appearance look like wheat, okay? 16 says, you can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. So in, in, in Luke's gospel, he kind of says, you can, you can see them by the way, you can differentiate them by the way they look. He's saying, you use your eyes and say, that's, that's the fruit, a different fruit. And then in, in Matthew, he says, you can tell by the way they act. So it's giving two indicators of how we can begin to differentiate these people. So I want to get real practical today, and we're going to just look at five different things. But the title of my sermon today is, How to Differentiate Fruit Bearers from Fruit Loops. How many of y'all know Fruit Loops? You know, Fruit Loops doesn't have real fruit in it, right? It's additives and preservatives and a little coloring dye. And it's a marketing ploy to make you think, make, oh, it's got fruit in it. It must be healthy for my kids, right? How do we tell the difference between real fruit in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world versus just additives and preservatives that makes us want to make people appear as though they're fruitful? And we're gonna look at the difference uh, between these things. And, and really all of this started this summer. Uh, my family, we went on a vacation to Costa Rica and it was stunningly beautiful. And some, fr some friends came with us and actually this all started from a little devotional. We had these family devotionals every morning and I was reading this scripture that, that we just covered and it became this devotional. And, and we want to do family devotionals. And well, who, guess who does it? The pastor. The pastor always has the devotional. So I'm like pulling this out and doing this. And all, the whole time we're at Costa Rica, the thing we were, the, I mean, everything's beautiful. The jungle, the, the, the animals, the mountains, the ocean, everything is stunning. But the, my wife and I are super nerds. And the thing we loved the most was the vegetation. Like things that, like we would see this massive 15 foot plant. And we're like, we have one of those in our house. It's this big. You know, these tropical houseplants grow wild there. But we didn't know what was what. We couldn't decipher what, I wonder what that tree is. I wonder what that is. And there was this one tree in our yard that we were trying, my daughter and I were trying to pick fruit from it. And I'm like, got this stick and I'm whacking fruit off of it. And we don't even know what it is. We're gonna eat it and just try to figure it out. We don't know. 
So we discover this app. This is the greatest app ever. And I should have known what it was called because people will ask, I don't know, Google it. But there's this app that you can take a picture of a leaf of a tree and it'll tell you what kind of tree it is. I mean, we, we could not figure out what kind of trees these were. This one tree had a little piece of fruit on it. We still couldn't figure it out. And we're asking this local, like, what kind of tree is this? And like, that's a mango tree. Oh, I didn't even know what a mango looked like. Well, I guess I know now, right? They looked at the fruit to identify what kind of tree it was. And here's the thing about people. They haven't made an app for people yet. Wouldn't that be nice? Like you're, you're interviewing somebody to come work at your company or to babysit for you and they show up at your door and you're like, hold on just a second, let me. Oh, heck no, get out of here, you know? <laughs> I know your type, I know your type. So how do we differentiate the two? How do we know the difference? How do we know who to trust? Because we are people of a, of a, of a godly kingdom that are living in the kingdom of this world. And we don't just stick our head in the sand and only do business with Christians and only have us for and no more. The church is not designed to do this, nor should we ever do this. We are called to be light in a dark world. So how do we go into a dark world and be in the world, but not of the world? And how do we know who to trust? How do we know who to hire? Single, single women and single men, how do we know who to marry? How do we know who to date? How, how, do, how do we know uh, who to let babysit our kids? How do we know where to send our kids to school? These are all really practical things that what we need is the discernment of the Holy Spirit to know what tree can we trust. And all through the scriptures, people are kind of referred to as trees. I'm going to show you some verses in a little bit, but there's some beautiful symbolisms between trees and people. That one time Jesus healed a blind man and he opened his eyes and he said, what do you see? And he said, I see men like trees. So they're all through scripture. There's these little parallels and I'll show you a couple of them because there's a lot of beautiful symbolisms there. There's, there's tall trees, there's short trees. There's skinny trees, there's big trees right? All kinds of different trees that produce all kinds of different fruit. And what we'll find is there's all kinds of different people that produce all kinds of different fruit. So I want to show you five things, super practical this morning. I want to show you five things to check. All right. If we're going to check people, if we're going to check these trees, what do we check first to see the fruit that they're going to produce? All right. Let's go back to, to Luke chapter six. Um, Verse 43, let's read it one more time. It says, no good tree bears bad fruit and no bad tree bears good fruit. Each tree, each person is recognized by its own fruit. So not all apple trees are created equal. You can't say, well, this apple tree had good fruit, so all apple trees have good fruit. No, that's not true. That's not true. Each tree, each, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. That's why you should never corner any demographic or title or anybody into a corner. If a pastor hurts you, it does not mean that all pastors are producing that kind of fruit. If one church hurts you, it does not mean that all churches are producing that kind of fruit, right? So what we have to do, the first thing we do, and we, we, the first one's easy because we've already talked about it. The first thing we have to do is check the fruit. Check the fruit. This is how we identify. This is how we know. So trees produce a lot of stuff, right? This is what trees do. Trees have a lot of purpose. Trees 
Uh, trees produce wood. Now think of all the things we do with wood. We create furniture with wood. Um, we chop wood down and we start fires to keep us warm. So it's something that keeps us warm. Um, we start fires with wood and cook on it. So we actually nourish ourselves. When you eat something, chances are you're nourishing it through something that a tree produced. Trees produce, it's what they do. So when you come in contact with a person, this person has a lot of potential impact on you. A lot of potential things that you're going to partake of in this person and like a tree. So before you, before you climb that tree, before you sit under the shade of that tree, you should know this tree. So how do we know this? How do we, 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 we check the fruit. We, we look into this. And some trees are like people, they're really easy, real quick. You can identify the bad ones real quick. Like I'm not talking about the crazy, crazy, toxic people. Everyone knows the crazy person, all right? It doesn't take a whole lot of discernment from the Holy Spirit to be like, you're crazy, stay out of my life, okay? <laughs> so there's some trees like this. The most poisonous tree in the world, I didn't know this, is called the sandbox tree. And the sandbox tree has thorns going from the top to bottom, from the very bottom of the tree to the very top of the tree, and every branch on the way out is filled with thorns. In fact, this tree, the bark is poisonous, the leaves are poisonous, it produces a fruit that's the size of a pumpkin. And this pumpkin, at some point, you don't know when, it's like a ticking time bomb, at some point, while it's sitting on the tree, on the vine, it explodes like a grenade, and it's filled with thousands of of, of seeds that travel at over 150 miles an hour out and every seed is poisonous, all right? I'm not a smart man, but I'm not going near this stupid thing. You know, doesn't take too smart of a guy. And there's people like this. There's people like this that, that you, you're thinking right now, you, you know, hopefully it's not your spouse or something, but, but you're thinking of somebody right now that's like, yep, I know I shouldn't go near that person. And we're not talking about those people, all right? I'm talking about the people that, you know, you're just not sure. The fruit looks good, but I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what I should do. So how, how do we know? And, and by the way, if you know someone who produces bad fruit and they always say to you, well, it's just the way I am. Have you ever heard somebody say this? They have an anger issue. Well, I, it's just the way I am. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna apologize for the way I am. The reason that's not a good excuse is because if you're a believer, we are called to a higher calling. And if you really want to know, I've kind of talked about fruit as this kind of, you know, um, subjective thing. I haven't really gotten specific, but the Bible is pretty clear what kind of fruit it desires in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. It's called the fruits of the spirit. And I just want to show you them real quick. Let's just look at them. Galatians 5.22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and here we go. This is the fruit you should look for in people. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, which means long-suffering. <laughs> I'm working on that one, by the way, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things you should look for in people. These are the fruits of the spirit that we look for in those around us. It gives us nine of them. You can tell by the look of fruit, but you know what you can also do? You can also taste the fruit. And sometimes when you taste fruit, the fruit is very bitter. Um, maybe you taste the fruit and it's very sour. 
Maybe you, you, you taste the fruit and it has completely rotted. And there are people that you will encounter and if you, will, if you will watch closely enough and ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment, you will begin to see them say things. This is, we'll talk about this at the end. The main place to look at people's fruit is what comes out of their mouth. And if you meet someone and within five minutes they're bashing someone or bad-mouthing someone or talking toxic about something, take a clue. You are tasting the fruit, okay? Real quick side note. As believers, you need to find discernment in this and also have discernment to know the difference between fruit that has rotted and fruit that has just not ripened yet. Because if, if sometimes if I hang out with my teenage kids, I'm like, you're rotten. <laughs> no, they just haven't ripened yet. Their prefrontal cortex is still developing. Can I get an amen, parents? <laughs> so if you know a new believer... They just, they've been saved three weeks. Have grace. They're not rotten. They're just still ripening, all right? So I'm just challenging you. We need to become experts at this as believers. We need to be the best at reading people than any other people on the planet. Not so we can judge. This is not so we can judge. This is so we can know who to do life with and whose shade should I sit under, okay? We need to become experts at seeing fruit and saying, I know your type. I know what type of tree you are because I know the type of fruit you're producing. The second thing we need to do, so one, we check the fruit. Number two, check the frequency. Check the frequency. Because everybody can produce pretty good fruit every now and then. I mean, I know the biggest heathen crazy people on the planet that every now and then are great people. The question is how often do they produce fruit? What's the frequency of their production? When we were in Costa Rica, we went out um, in, in, on this guy's property and he had this little plant and we, we didn't know what kind of plant it was. And he said, he said, yeah, I'm really mad about that because that's the only one I have. And I've been waiting a year to pick the fruit and some stupid koala bear came, or not a koala bear, a sloth came and ate this stupid thing. And I'm like, what's the big deal? It'll grow again. And he, what I didn't understand about pineapple plants is it takes three years for a newly planted pineapple plant to produce its first fruit. And then on an ongoing basis, a pineapple plant will only produce one pineapple every 12 to 18 months. You should watch out for pineapple Christians. <laughs> who don't produce a lot of fruit a lot of times. The, we're called to produce fruit more frequently than this. Not, not on our own doing, don't misunderstand me. You can't do this in and of yourself, but by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God, you can produce the fruit of the Spirit. And let me show you this to you. I'll, I'll tell you how frequently we should be able to do this. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse seven. It says, but blessed is the one whose trust is in the Lord. So this is how you do it. If you trust in the Lord and your confidence is in him, those are the only prerequisites. Your trust is in the Lord and your confidence is in him. One can make the argument that these are people who have a healthy fear of the Lord, okay? This is what you're able to do. Verse eight, they will be like a tree, there we go, planted by the water that sends out its roots to the streams. Jesus is the living water. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. Help me preach, how often? Oh, come on, help me preach. How often? Always. Always. 
always. It has no worries when drought comes and never fails to bear fruit. Good trees can produce good fruit in all seasons, every season. Look for people that are going through hell and are still nice to you. When you find out what they're going through, that they're walking through cancer or their spouse is sick or whatever, you fill in the blank and you're like, I had no idea. I had no idea they were going through that. Why? Because they were producing fruit in the midst of a dry season of their life. So tough times will always reveal tough trees. Never trust a tree who's never been through a drought. (laughs) You need to get some young people, you need to find some people sitting around you right now that have gray hair. They're sitting in church today, worshiping God, lifting their hands. I promise you, they've been through some hellacious times in their life. They're producing fruit. You better learn from these people. These are some good trees to get up under their shade and let them shade you and learn from them. So fruits of the spirit are never limited to circumstances. Now, what is that fruit? Let's look at it again. There's nine of them. Joy, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In the spirit, in the spirit, this is the key, good fruit is not limited to good circumstances. All right? This is how you can, this is such a good clue for us. If you want to, if you see somebody that is producing fruit in a bad season, you're like, that's a believer. Why? Because you're incapable of doing it without the spirit. So you can understand that these are people that are living a life in the spirit. It's a secret weapon. All right. So number one, we're going to check the fruit. Number two, we're going to check the frequency. Number three, check the release. This one's really important. Okay. It's one thing to produce fruit. Trees produce. Think about what trees do. All trees do is produce. Trees produce leaves and limbs for you to sit under the shade. Uh, Trees produce oxygen that you breathe. Trees produce fruit that you eat. Trees produce wood that you cut and burn and cook on. All these trees do is produce. It's what they do. Now imagine if you went to pick a piece of fruit from the tree and you were like, let go of it. Well, what, if, what if a tree produced fruit and then was like, nope, this is my fruit. What if a tree produced oxygen and right before you took that breath, the tree was like, nope, I'm keeping that oxygen. Trees aren't fearful to release what they produce. They're not afraid because they know that as they continue to grow, which is our next point, as they continue to grow, next season they're gonna produce even more fruit. And as I walk through this season and this difficulty, as I send my roots down into Jesus deeper and deeper, next season I'm gonna be bigger, next season I'm gonna be brighter, next season I'm gonna be more fruitful. So anybody around me, have all you want. We, we um, on one of our walks, I, I, we came across this, this one tree in Costa Rica, we were walking down to this beach and we're going down a trail and I saw this tree that I, it was like, I've never seen so many thorns on a tree. I've never seen a more paranoid tree in all my life. This tree was like every square inch thorns this big from the bottom of it to the top, every branch, everything. And my first thought was this tree doesn't want any bird, any human, anything, picking anything off of it. This tree is in full on self mode, protecting itself. 
We are called as believers to produce fruit and then give it. We produce joy and we give joy. I produce peace, I give peace. I produce patience, I give patience. Everything we do and produce is created for us to give back. And here's the thing about trees. Trees don't tell you how to eat the fruit. Have you, ever, have you ever went to pick a, a, an apple off a tree and the tree hands you a note like, here's some apple pie recipes that we recommend. We think that if you're gonna partake of my fruit, we think that you should do it in this manner. No, the tree's like, man, I just, I do what I do. I produce fruit. That's why it cracks me up when we get people that, that, that will pay tithe into the local church and then they'll say, hey, and I want my tithe spent on this. No, I just produce fruit and then my only job is to release it to the kingdom of God and let God take it from there and whatever God wants to do with it, he can do it, he can multiply it, he can do whatever he wants to do with it. We produce fruit, it's what we do. But if we produce fruit and don't release it, we're not, we're not falling in line with the kingdom mindset. Acts 20 verse 35 says, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak remembering the words of Jesus, okay? So this is red letter. This is Jesus talking. When Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He's saying when you produce fruit trees, it's way better when you just release it than when you hoard it. It's way better. So we release. So how do we, how do we see this in other people? How stingy are they? <laughs> if you're dating somebody and they're stingy, man, What are, they, what are they willing to release? You'll see this fruit uh, in their life. So, uh, number four, all right? Number four, I mentioned it a while ago, check for growth. Check for growth. A tree that's not growing is dying. Okay, we are called to grow. It's what we do. We send our roots down deep and we know that the stronger our roots get, the higher we go above the surface. Our foundation, the depth of our foundation determines the height of our structure. So if we're not sending our roots down, don't expect to produce more fruit. Don't expect to expand. Don't expect to grow. Ephesians chapter four, verse 15 says, instead, we speak the truth in love. Now watch how many times this, it uses the word growing. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the others grow. So when you do your part, you're actually helping someone else in the body of Christ to grow so that the whole body is two things, healthy and growing. We're, we're called to grow. Uh, our, our, our vision statement is we, we, we equip people to live, move, and be in the fullness of Christ. We live in his presence, we move beyond ourselves, and so that we can be transformed. We are called to be, to establish, to grow, to take one step closer to Christ every single day. Guys, I'm a pastor and I'm still growing. I, I'll be a better pastor next year than I am this year. I'll be a better dad next year than I am this year. I'll be a better husband next year than I am this year. Why? Because I'm growing, I'm growing. So look for people in your life that are growing. How do you know if they're growing? Are they sending their roots out? What are they sending their roots into? Are they, do they go to church? Do they, are they in the word of God? 
Are they trying to better themselves? Are they taking care of themselves, mind, body, and soul? You look for activity. What are they doing? A couple things, a few ways that we grow, real quick, is you can tell this by trees. Growing trees know how to adapt. Growing trees can adapt in any atmosphere to ensure that they keep growing. Um, one of our little excursions in, in Costa Rica, we, we took these little boats, these little canoe deals, out into the mangroves. Mangroves are crazy uh, in the jungle, uh, and it's, it's all the tide, the ocean tide. The ocean tide comes in, and these mangroves are like 12 feet deep. Tide goes out, and there's no water in the mangroves, just mud. But there's trees everywhere and these massive root systems, and they're just magnificent. They're, they're beautiful. And the, our tour guide, the, all these trees had these huge black uh, mounds in them. I thought they were termite mounds. And so we asked our guide, I was like, are those termite mounds? And he's like, no, those are tumors. And we're like, what are you talking about? He said, well, the ocean comes in and these trees are absorbing the nutrients from the soil, but there's so much salt in the soil and in the water that if the tree absorbed all of the salt, it would kill it. So the trees produce these tumors that excrete the salt out of their life so that they can keep growing. We can adapt to any environment. Look for people who don't have a job and see how they're adapting in their walk with the Lord. Look at people that are going through difficult seasons and see how they're adapting to that season. Uh, Michelle and I uh, went to Napa, uh, Napa Valley, and, and I was mind blown at how many beautiful symbolisms there are in grapevines. There's a reason why the Bible talks about wine and grapevines so much. Um, the Napa Valley is a valley and there's vineyards on both mountains and valleys, there's, there's vineyards in the valley. And we met this one guy who could taste wine. He could tell you what year it was picked and he could tell you what place in Napa Valley it was picked from just by tasting it. It was unbelievable. And so I'm asking him, how can you, how can you tell? He said, well, what happens is the mountains over, over centuries, all of the soil erodes down into the valley. So in the valley, you have five, six feet of soil. And in the mountains, you have one foot of soil, then pure bedrock. He said, what happens is the, the vineyards in the valley, the, the grapes don't have to struggle. So the soil is very rich in nutrients. And so the, the, the vines, the, the, the root systems have no trouble going down five, six feet deep, getting all the nutrition they need, and it produces very big, plump grapes. And I'm thinking, so does that mean that the wine in the valleys is the best? He said, oh no. He said, the, valleys, the, the, the wine in the mountains is far superior. Every great wine was, was grown in the mountains. And I said, I said, why is that? He said, because a grape that doesn't struggle is not fine. He said, the, the vines in the mountains the root systems go one foot down, they hit bedrock, and then they have to start struggling to find water. And the farmers will intentionally back off and not water it. Because he, if, if, he said, if a vine doesn't struggle, it won't produce anything great. Find people who have hit bedrock in their life and still produce fine wine. That could still weather any, any season. He said, he said the grapes in the valley are big, they're, they're juicy, they're, they have so much fluid and water in them that it dilutes the wine, but the wine, the wine in the mountains are small grapes, but they're so packed full of the juice flavor that it produces the best wine. He says, so I can tell by the taste and the smell 
where it's from. Did you know that if you, if you pay close enough attention, you could become an expert at reading people? And you could taste their fruit, see their fruit, sense their fruit, and see where the struggles are, what they've been through in life, and whether you have the discernment for them in your life or not. Last but not least, let's look at one more. Luke 6, 45, it says, a good man brings good things, this is my favorite point, out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Now watch this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I could preach a whole sermon just on this, and this is one of the best secret clues in all the Bible if you're trying to read people. Point number five, you're taking notes, check the roots. Check the roots. In trees, okay, let's, let's talk about trees. In trees, the fruit will always tattletale on the roots. The fruit, you taste the fruit, you know that this fruit is getting its sustenance from somewhere. And the roots are producing something. The roots have stored up something that is then going into the fruit and you taste the fruit. Now, with humans, the mouth will always tattletale on the heart. This scripture says that a good man, I'm gonna replace tree with man, a good man stores up good in his heart and an evil man stores up evil in his heart. And the mouth will always tattletale on the heart. It can't help it. And this is something that's so important for believers to know. If you wanna to minister to people, listen to people's mouths. Don't, don't listen to what they're saying, listen to where that saying is coming from. It's a great pastoral tool. Usually if you see angerness and bitterness coming out, that's the fruit, but there's a seed down in the heart that's a wound that you don't need to address the anger, you need to address the wound. Because the mouth, all the mouth is doing is tattletaling on the heart. So if you wanna read people, read the roots. You wanna know how to read the roots, just read the mouth. Uh, in the New King James Version, it says it this way. It says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The word abundance in the Greek, uh, it means of that which fills and overflows. So it's saying your heart will just, your mouth will just speak what is bubbling up out of the heart. So if, if, if you're a guy or maybe you're a woman that, that knows cars, um, a real man Ready for the real test? A real man, if you walk out in the garage and there's a leak, can put his finger on it and look at, the, look at it and know if it's engine oil or transmission fluid or brake fluid. Everybody ask your husbands right now if they can do that. Guys, just fake it. Say, yeah, totally, totally, got this. You can tell what has flowed over by looking at the oil, by looking at the fruit. I know what it is. This is how we can read people and it's something that we need to get better at uh, as, as, as individuals. So we, you check what they're leaking out of their mouth, all right? So let me, let me close. So far, for all this time, I've been giving you instructions on how you can read people, how you can live a godly life in the kingdom, uh, with a, a kingdom-minded heart in, in an in a ungodly world in, with an uncommon kingdom mindset. But we should always not just read other people. We should always be, have moments where we allow the Holy Spirit to read us. Amen. And it's one thing to pick out everybody else and pick everybody else apart, but what about me? What kind of fruit am I producing? 
Um, I'll be very transparent with you. For me, one of the hardest things I struggle with is keeping my cool. Like, you're like, oh, you're so sweet, Pastor John. Hey, ask Michelle, you know, in traffic. So I have to constantly be, be you know, you know, when you're looking in the rearview mirror and sometimes you can take it and you can see yourself all of a sudden. Sometimes I need to take the mirror and adjust it to myself and look myself in the face. And the problem with, with keeping yourself accountable is you're very deceitful. You, you can talk yourself into anything. So the key to this is having accountability, is having people in your life, a spouse, a friend, an accountability. This is why being in community is so important that you can come alongside people and just say, hey, will you give me a true, honest analysis of my fruit? Like, what does my fruit taste like? Um, let me show you, uh, Paul introduced this idea of grafting in. Okay, so b- before I read it, let me, let's say, um, let's say that I have a really healthy olive tree over here, okay? And on this side is a wild olive tree. So in Israel and really anywhere in the world, you can actually take, you can walk to any olive tree, you can cut a branch off, you can walk over to this olive tree and you can drill a hole in the side of the trunk or you can shave back a piece of the bark and you can take this stick from that tree and you can shove it into this tree and and bandage it and within two to three weeks, that tree will fully accept that branch. It's called grafting and Paul, he knows that the Israelites are, or the Israel people, the Jewish people are very familiar with this. And so he's using this picture, this physical picture to show a spiritual truth. And this branch can actually be grafted in and within two to three weeks, it was once pulling on this root system. And within two weeks, it's now pulling nutri- nutrients from this root system. And it can produce fruit from a totally different tree. And what they would do many times is they would take a wild olive tree Wild olive trees did not produce very much fruit, very little fruit, and sometimes it wasn't good fruit because it hasn't been cultivated. This thing's been brought up since it was a baby, fertilized, they turn the soil, they care for it, they prune it. So what they would do to get more fruit is they would cut a branch off the good tree and stick it into the wild olive tree and graft it in. And this one branch on this olive tree would produce fruit that was just like this tree. So God knew all this. God knew that they were doing this and he actually blows their mind and he reverses it. He says, I'm, we can take a, a tree, we can take a branch off the wild olive tree, which is us, who don't produce much fruit, who don't know how to do what we're called to do. He said, but what I'll do, Gentile, is I'll cut you off your wild olive shoot, sheep, uh, uh, tree and I will insert you into the good tree that has good root systems and you will produce much fruit. Now I want you to, now that I've given you this picture, listen to this verse, Romans 11, verse 17. It says, if some of the branches have been broken off, now he's talking about the Jewish people, okay? The Jewish people, when Jesus came on the scene, he was the Messiah, the Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah and so they were fallen off the tree. Their branches were fallen off the tree. And it says, and you, though a wild olive shoot, you were a Gentile, have been grafted in among the others and now you share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 18, and then there's a warning. Do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. The branches that have fallen off, 
Don't you rub those Jews' nose in it. The Jews are God's chosen people. You better love the Jews. Okay, so he says, don't you think yourself superior to those other branches? If you do, consider this. You do not support the root. The root supports you. Isn't that beautiful? So we, this is us, dead in our sins, dead in the things of this world, dead in this, the kingdom of this world, God says, through the resurrection blood of Jesus Christ, you have been grafted in. And we're branches that really have no business producing fruit at all. Like we, we were useless producing very little fruit. We were Christian, we were, we were pineapples over here, y'all, not doing a whole lot, all right? He says, when you get into this root system, you are now pulling from a different set of nourishment. This is how we produce the fruits of the spirit. Because it's not coming from us. It's the root system. This is how we read people. This is how we know who is in the spirit and who is not in the spirit. But this is also how we turn the mirror to ourselves and we don't read the Bible, the Bible reads us. And what area of my life am I not producing fruit and where do I need to tap in more to the spirit of God? So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I wanna ask you a question. If someone tasted your fruit, is it bitter? What does it taste like? Is it full of seeds? Is it full of reproduction and goodness and joy and peace and patience and kindness? My challenge to all of us, myself included, is over the course of the next week or two to begin to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is it, what is it in me that you see that is not producing good fruit? Meet with some people in your life, ask them what areas of their life that they're not producing fruit. Let somebody be honest with you. Tell somebody, please tell me the truth. Will you please just give me one area of my life that is not fruitful so that I can work on it? The other part of this is if you're in this room or watching online or at the Edmond campus and you don't know Jesus, like you, you, would, you would totally relate. You're, you're the wild olive tree. <laughs> you are a branch on the wild olive tree and you're not producing much fruit and you're frustrated with your career, with your life, with your marriage, uh, with your finances, whatever area of your life, you just don't feel like you're producing much fruit. And the idea of being grafted into something that's way more nourishing is very appealing to you. I wanna lead you through a prayer in just a minute, but first I wanna read you one more verse in Romans chapter 10, verse nine. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Remember, we talked about this. So watch this in Romans 10, nine. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, so out of the bunch of the heart, the mouth speaks, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise. You're done. Done deal. Saved. And then it describes why. It says, for it is with your heart that you, two things, believe and are justified. So your heart will do these two things. You will believe in Jesus and Jesus will justify you. He will give you righteousness. And it is with your mouth that you profess the faith your faith and are saved. So I'm gonna lead you through something real quick for your heart, all right? So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you believe in your heart, like you are not in relationship with Jesus at all, but you wanna be grafted into this new tree, all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus died on a cross for you and he was resurrected on the third day for you to redeem you, to restore you, and that the blood of Jesus saves you, redeems you. 
Okay, so you're gonna believe that in your heart. And when you do, you are justified by faith, not works. You couldn't earn it if you had to. By your faith in Jesus, it's done. So if, if I'm talking to you and you are believing in your heart and you are coming into relationship and you want to be grafted in, will you shoot your hand up and say, that's me? Anybody in the room? Shoot it up real high right now. Yep, right there's a hand. Come on, come on, shoot your hand up. Yep, over here, praise God. Yeah, right here, see that hand? I wanna wait just a few more minutes. Yep, I see that hand, awesome, awesome. Anybody else that say that's me? Yep, I see that hand. I'm, there, there's a reverence in here and I'm gonna wait just a minute. Let's not clap right now because this is a really, really important moment and I don't wanna be in distraction. There's a hand right there. There's a hand right there. If you're, if you're um, like almost sweaty palmish, this is you. There's a hand right there. Sweaty palms, the, the Holy Spirit is like, this is the Holy Spirit. You're sensing the Holy Spirit. This is, this is conviction. It's not a beat you over the head. It's a holy, holy cow, I need this. I need this. I need this. There's a hand right there. Anybody else? Shoot your hand up. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you right there. Awesome. Yep, I see you too. Yeah, awesome. Yep, I'll see you back there. Holy Spirit's moving. Let's just sit here for a second. Yep. Oh, that's, who else? Anybody else? Okay. All right. So you have believed in your heart and you have been justified. This is why you can give your life to Jesus in your bathtub if you want to. You don't have to be at church. Because it's, it's a heart move, it's a heart matter. You believed in your heart and you are justified it's by faith. And then it says with your mouth, you profess or you declare or you say that Jesus is Lord. And you may not know what to say. Like, I don't know what to say. Okay, well, let's just all do it together. Okay, I'm gonna give you words. And so you don't have to say it alone. We're all gonna say it together. Okay, so everybody just say this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And Jesus... I receive you. I believe in my heart that you died on a cross for me and you were resurrected for me. And today I'm saved. Today I'm brand new. Help me produce fruit for your kingdom. Lead me and guide me in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey man, can we celebrate that? Isn't that awesome? Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.